From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are at home talking Cavs at the break and guards opening spring training. On the road, we are talking NBA at the break and tossing out some Iceman cold takes from around the sports world. We close the show off the field talking about f***ing computers. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo, are here. Fellas, what are your President's Day plans? Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond? Isn't it a huge mattress sale day? I think I should hit one of the mattress stores. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up with my boys and uh, take it easy tomorrow and enjoy a day with them. It's kind of the same. I'm probably going to get up a little earlier, go to the gym, and then come back and spend the day with my kids. So maybe shopping for mattresses. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that all sounds great. Uh, the wonderful thing about being self-employed is that even if it's a calendar <laughs> holiday, you still just work the same as if it was any other day. But that's fine. Why don't we get rolling? We will start at home with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. Welcome to the All-Star break. Cavs finished even Steven in the last week with a loss to the 76ers and a tough win over the Bulls. Cavs are 36 and 17 at the break and have a decently strong hold on the two seed in the East. So far this season with the Cavs at the oddly NBA's weird kind of halfway point, what player has surprised you the most for the Cavs? It's a really good question because there could be a number of answers, but I'm I think there's three. I'm going to say a Coro. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Is he not one of your three? <laughs> he wasn't, but, I, I, but, oh. um, but I'm with you. Go ahead. I, I'm going to say a Coro because he's, he's putting together like a really strong two-way performance, especially this past week. Uh, and then I love stats in the NBA, and I have so many of them. He's shooting uh, 493 from the field. He's up to 40% on catch uh, and shoot threes uh, this season. He attacks the rim more. And I, th I wrote a note, like he's probably the most underrated player on this roster because his defense is elite and his offense is starting to come along. Uh, and you're going to need that because when this team makes the playoffs, they're going to choose not to guard somebody much like they did last time. And that was Okoro. And if Okoro hits some of those shots from the corner, I just like how he's developed this year. I'm not saying that it's been leaps and bounds, but it's better than I expected offensively. Uh, and I think he's going to be a really key piece because, like I said, I think he's going to get a lot of open looks down the stretch and in the playoffs. I, I agree with you, especially on the going to the rim thing. I love Isaac Okoro going to the rim so yeah. much more than I love Last year's Isaac Okoro, when he was just stuck in the corner all night long. Yeah. Uh, he, he's so athletic and quick. He can almost always make something happen when he's going to the rim. There's a lot of pleasant surprises coming off this bench, Okoro being one of them. But we, we needed that guy to be that guy. We need that guy to be that guy the rest of the season, for sure. I'm torn between, I'm, I'm equally surprised be, between George Niang and um, Sam Merrill. Maybe more Sam Merrill, because he kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I know he had experience, but I thought he'd be kind of buried down the bench, get some get some minutes when we're either in it or out of the, or way out of the game, or come off the the floor in times where we just needed like a three point shooting squad out there to try to rally to get back to the game. And he's he's playing really well coming off the bench. I mean, he is he is right behind Okoro and Yang with average. He's averaging about eight points uh, off the bench in in way less time. So he's been a pleasant surprise. I'll go with Merrill because Yang has. 
he surprises me every time he takes the court, to be honest, to see that guy play the way he does. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's one of us out there playing, but Sam Merrill has been a really, really nice surprise off that bench. So Merrill was one of my three. Uh, Jared Allen was one as well. And I would even throw to a lesser degree than those two guys, Donovan Mitchell, because of the way he has changed his game to be more like a point guard for the team, especially when guys were hurt. But I mean, ultimately, it's it's Jared Allen for me. The way we saw that guy start to take over games offensively uh, when Mobley got hurt was really unexpected because I think we've been waiting two years for him to show that kind of offensive game, and it's so important. I think people who really follow the Cavs closely over the last couple of years know that Allen was super important to this team, even when he wasn't scoring a ton of points. You just needed that defense and rebounding. Uh, he was kind of one of those guys that made it all work. But this year, he's kind of stepped up that offensive game a little bit, and I was really surprised by that, and it's a lot of fun to watch it to see. So moving on, Cavs have shown some toughness and grit over the last several weeks. Is it enough to alleviate the lingering concerns from getting pushed around by the Knicks in the playoffs last spring? I don't think it's enough yet because I don't feel good about this Cavs team despite their record, if they end up in a series against the New York Knicks, like the way the Knicks play, I just, I don't feel good about the way the Cavs match up against that team. So I think that's going to probably stick with me until this current iteration of the Cavs get, gets into a playoff series and wins it, which hopefully will happen more than once this year. But until that, cause you know, we had all those high hopes last year thing are, right, we, we definitely have the better scores on the court. We have the better team top to bottom, and they they just had their way with this Cavs team. So I'm a little yeah. worried about that kind of approach to even this current Cavs team until I see otherwise. Two for two on good questions. We're going to go downhill soon. Don't worry. Yeah. We're getting <laughs> to the Imani you, Bates stuff. If you were to rephrase it and say mental toughness, I would say absolutely what this roster's been through when it's come to injuries and rotations and the way they're playing basketball differently now. Physic like I've seen moments of that physical toughness, like with with Alan wanting to fight, which I didn't think he was that guy, but he got super pissed off. Coro's attacking the rim. Man, I'm kind of with Phil here. Like I, I need to see it in a playoff when when another team is playing just as physical or just as high motor as this Cavs team has been. So I, I reserve the right a little bit, but I feel better about I, I feel better about a matchup with that Knicks team this year than I did last year because like. You know, even going into the All-Star break last year, you, you could tell, like, this team was kind of leaking oil a little bit then. And, and I think, the ro- you know, the roster's better. It's stronger. The bench is better. But I don't know. Like, I, it's a true Cleveland fan. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so gun-shy <laughs> because of what happened last year. But I'd love to see it again. I mean, I'd love to see that series again at some point. What you guys are showing is is that we're not over it yet. We're, we're not ready to, to let go. It was so bad last year. And it's still hangs around as something that it's, is going to keep you from getting too excited about this team. Uh, it's clearly what's going on. And the Knicks do play like a physical kind of basketball. It just feels like they've got like two or three big, like thick dudes that the Cavs don't have. We've got Mobley and Allen who are kind of big skinny dudes. And are those guys going to be able to do it? I guess the one thing that gives me a, a little bit more hope is that I think they needed to go through that series to learn how to play on that stage and at that level. And this team is young as shit. They're so young that it it shouldn't surprise us that um, the moment got to them the last time, just like it shouldn't surprise us when they get back into it this year, the moment won't get them. 
maybe I'm leaning a little bit more to I, I've I've seen enough and I'm ready to have some confidence with them going against any of the the top teams in the East in the playoffs. But before we get there, Cavs current over under win total for this season is 53 and a half. That's 18 more wins in 29 games if you were going to take the over on that number. So where are you putting your Gerbucks? Over 53 and a half or under? I'm going to take the over. It's a resilient team. They don't have the hardest schedule in the, actually, I want to say second half, but it's not like there's half a season left. <laughs> the, um, so only the NBA <laughs> thinks this is the halfway point <laughs> right, in, right. Uh, between uh, in 82 yeah. games. <laughs> I think I can. T- this is a much improved team from last year. They've exceeded my expectations with the injuries that's that's happened. It seems like they all get along really well. Uh, and and I, like I said, I think they're in the like not the bottom half of tough, like middle of the pack. It's like the fifteenth or sixteenth toughest schedule for the the second half of the season. So I, w- I would take that over. God, I mean, they won eighteen of twenty. I'd be an idiot not to take. Yeah, <laughs> not to take that bet right now. I'm going to stick with where I landed before the season started, and I'm going to I'm going to take the over as well. I think I I had hoped that this team would find a way to win 55 games this year. What's really pushing me to take the over now, now that I've seen what this team has become, is they've got the best record on the road in the NBA. So this is yeah. not a team that's I, I can't imagine, barring injury, of course, over the course of the next 29 games that they don't continue to win at the same clip that they're currently winning at 68 percent of their games. They're going to win. So. I think they're headed towards the over and let's keep this team healthy and just keep winning equally at home and on the road. I'll feel good going in the playoff. You know where I'm at. I'm going to be irrationally confident in this team, no matter what the situation is. I'm still shocked. They didn't win both games last week by 20. So I'm <laughs> on the over. I, I think that's, it would be a significant cool down from what they've done in the last 20 games uh, and they'd still make it just fine. So uh, I'm on the Cavs with that over. Let's look ahead to next week. Cavs are back at it, but not until Thursday. Cavs return from the break at home against the Magic Thursday night, then hit the road with a game Friday night in Philly, which I think is a national game on uh, ESPN or TNT, maybe Friday night. And then one Sunday night in DC against the Wizards. As we have said, Cavs were really hot heading into the break. Is the break going to cause a letdown, or are they picking up where they left off? I think they keep this thing moving. I think they pick up where they left off. I like that they have the magic at home to start after the break. Like that's even though I just said they're just as good on the road as they are at home. It is nice to you know come in front of the home crowd against a probably probably well maybe not the best team of those three, but the best healthy team of those three, because I think they go into Philadelphia and get a little payback from last week. I hope anyway, so, yeah. uh, we, we, we can't yeah. be losing to Philadelphia without Embiid out there like that. So uh, yeah, I think they pick up right where they left off and get two of these three, if not all three of them. I want to see three, yeah. but I think they're going to lose. One. I don't know which game they're going to lose. I don't think it's going to be that Philly game because I'm with Phil. Like it's a good revenge game for them. Magic's not a bad team. They're, they're probably yeah. a playoff Orlando's team. Orlando's really tough, man. But, you know, like yep. they're, they're, they're a playoff team. And if the Cavs hang on to that, that two slot, which they should, right? Like we should just like they should hang on to that two seed. Yes, um, we're going to get and, to it. Oh, okay. They really should. Uh, all right. <laughs> yes. um, I mean, I'd like them to. From you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say they're going three and zero. Oh. Why not? Like I have to. I'm starting to believe in this team. They should win three of these games, especially if Embiid's not playing. So, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna win out. Win out. <laughs> all of them, all games, not just next week. <laughs> We are enthusiastic at the All-Star break. I'm with you guys. I think they're going 4-0 next week. 
Uh, they'll find another game in there. Go Cavs. I hope they come back. I just don't know what I'm going to do with myself until Thursday night. Oh. Man, I can't believe we've got to wait that long to watch basketball. Why don't we move on? Let's head out west to the Arizona Sun and our first spring gardening. Our look at the Cleveland Guardian spring training. Pitchers and catchers reported on February 12th. The full squad reported today. Spring training starts in earnest tomorrow, and the first game is next Saturday. Why don't we real quick play a little word association with maybe some key guys for the Guardians coming up this season. What do you think when I say Shane Bieber? Overpay. Like, okay. like please, some team like the Yankees who are all in but still need pitching, I think he has to be traded. He won't be back next year no matter what. So please stay healthy. Please pitch good uh, and bring the guards back something of value. I'm kind of along those same lines, but my my word is hyphenated, and it was trade bait. Me, go ahead. <laughs> and and it, was that your word for real? It was of, of all the words of all the words. There's a lot of words, words in out English. Ah, uh, choose something in French. <laughs> um, so I went, I'm sorry, Gers. I went with trade bait for some of the same reasons Chuck was just saying. Like I feel like if this guy's healthy healthier than he's been in the last year and shows any signs of the dominant pitcher that he was, you immediately trade him for everything you can yeah. get back for him. It, I don't care if it's end of April, get that done. So I'm, I'm hoping like Chuck is that he is healthy. He goes out there and he, he shows that he's that inning eating winning pitcher because that's, what's going to get major league talent back whenever we trade him. Yeah. So mine was, mine literally was trade bait as well, because we be I agree with you guys. Yeah. I agree with you guys. There is no way this guy stays with the team all season. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense financially for the team. Doesn't make sense for their long-term plans. Doesn't make sense probably in the short term, because this may not be like a world series contending team. I just worry that he's going to come out and in April and his first three starts, his fastball is not going to go over 90 miles an hour. Uh, and all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, second and third level talent for him when last season before he got hurt, we could have gotten major league talent back for him. So I don't know. I hope he comes out and pitches well, just so that, like you guys are saying, he brings something back. All right. Next one, Miles Straw. Also hyphenated. Sorry if I took your word again, Gers, but uh, one dimensional is my word for Miles Straw. Completely one dimensional. He is an elite defensive player. Every aspect of playing center field, he is top tier, you know, be it his arm, be it his, his speed, his glove, everything, uh, but totally one-dimensional. He does nothing for this team offensively. We need that. If he's going to be find himself in this lineup in, in the nine hole, he's got to produce something offensively just to turn that lineup over. I'm not asking him to go out there and hit 300, but, you know, maybe 245, you know, something like that to where he can turn this lineup over because I think what may happen with a guy like Miles Straw is he might end up being that pinch runner late in games that is a defensive substitute as well to get him out there in these close games. Put him on base, let him steal some bags, maybe because he can't get himself on base, and then um, go out there and play some defense. So we're going to throw one of these other guys out there to play center field. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he turns it around. But we've had two years in a row now where he, he just cannot produce at the plate. Danko basically just said he wants Miles Straw to be the Gerber of the guardians maybe they'll let him keep the book too hey man nothing wrong with that mine's a lot like phil's only a different word mine's concede oh, like are wow. the guardian are the guardians finally ready to concede that miles straw doesn't hit enough to be an everyday player yeah. uh, and his skills can be best leveraged in a bench role because it, it would be huge for this team 
to get solid defense and even like a league average bats in center field after two years of Phil, Phil saying the same thing, uh, two years, MLB's worst qualified hitter having a chokehold on that position. Uh, so I'm not saying he doesn't help this roster in one way or another, but it's just not as an everyday player. And that kind of hurts me because I really, I like him. I like how fire he was. I loved when he jumped and wanted to jump into the stands. I said, I'll love that dude forever. Yeah. But he's a, he's a black hole at the plate and that can't happen to already offensively challenged team. That's the big thing too. Like other teams could hide a guy like that. If you had big yeah, power. Hitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I still don't think they'd hide their center fielder. I mean, that's a position where you're expecting offense. I don't know if Miles Straw makes it on any any major league teams at this point. Mine, my my word is last straw hyphenated, I guess. But I think this is it, man. I think early in the season is probably the last chance he's going to get. I don't see them holding on to him all year long as the starting center fielder if he continues to just do nothing at the plate. This is a guy that hit like 270 in Houston for those years before the in, before the Guardians traded for him. Can't imagine why he can't get that back, but if he doesn't, I think he's done. All right, last one, Bo Naylor. I'm going to say breakout. As a young catcher, there's a lot going on. You're not trying only to learn how to hit major league pitching, which he did all right towards the end of the run last year. You're also trying to learn a new pitching staff. You're figuring out how to call a big league game and making successful game plans. None of that is easy. It's all overwhelming, but he has some of that experience now, and his brother's there was helped. And veteran catcher Austin Hedges is there. And three former yeah. catchers are on this coaching staff. They're all on his side. So it should be so many ample resources uh, to help break him out in 2024, whether that's either from the plate or behind it. I, I think it's going to be a big year for that guy. Again, another position we're not used to seeing offense come out of over the last decade. Yeah. So even if it's average to above average, that's a breakout year for me. Oh, my one word is breakout. Um, this is uh do we already use Chuck's that? Word. Oh, that's my word. That's Chuck's word. Yeah. This is this is why we should probably text back and forth throughout the day as we choose <laughs> no, our one is, word. No, this is funny. This is the fact that we keep. Yeah. We, no, keep... <laughs> we are on the same wavelength. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with breakout because the, the, really, uh, maybe that's more of a hope <laughs> than, than than anything at this stage because there are some high expectations. I think that I think that kid is 23 years old. I want to see September Bo Naylor last throughout the majority yeah. of the season. That's yeah. what I'd like to see. I think that's who this franchise thinks they have in that guy, whether he's our everyday catcher down the road or maybe he moves into the field if he can put up those kind of offensive numbers. So I'm looking for that breakout year. Uh, you're going to be behind the dish all year, Bo Naylor. Uh, let's get some offense out of that position, which we have not had in a decade. <laughs> you said same verbiage. Yeah. Man, it's almost like I wasn't here for your entire yeah. response. <laughs> There's a lot going on behind the scenes tonight. Uh, I'm going with second best because no matter what Bo Naylor does this year, I still I still think he's the second best Naylor on the Guardians. Uh, I'm looking forward to a big year from Josh Naylor. So my my word association actually says more about Josh than it does about Bo. Although I hope, fingers crossed. Uh, that he has a breakout year and provides some offense that we haven't seen in, I don't know, like 10 years behind the plate. But, fellas, with that, we are going to close out this segment, take a quick break, come back, head out on the road, talk some more basketball. We 
Welcome back, fellas. Let's start our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and let's start with the NBA at the break. What did you think of the NBA All-Star Weekend floor? I watched a lot of the three-point contest with Dylan, and uh, he was really into it. It was almost like watching the the new version of um, uh, Space Jam. So uh, he was into it with the crazy floor and all the stuff that they could put on the floor and all the graphics, the glow-in-the-dark kind of highlight thing. So I don't know. I, I feel like this is, and it should be a spectacle, the NBA All-Star Weekend means nothing, uh, nothing at all other than it should just be <laughs> Vegas-like entertainment, no matter what city they land in, right? So, you know, you start to use that that high-level technology to make the court look like anything from, at one point, it looked like Boston Gardens. At the next yeah. point, it was all green and something, like I said, out of Space Jam. So I thought it was pretty cool. I really liked it. It was really entertaining. Same same words that Phil's using here and wondering how they, how they integrate it in season because they did so much with it especially when they went to a, a aerial shot and half the court became video and stats. And like, this is, this is really well done. If this technology exists, let's, Hey man, let's start mixing this in normal games because not that it's not expected. I, I didn't need like the flames coming out of their feet during the dunk contest where they were running or jumping, but still it was really well done. I, I, you know, we're all big fans of technology and it was a much better viewing experience. So I'd like to see more of it. It's just going to be that kind of night. How long before it's the norm in the NBA and how long before it's the norm in your house? In my house? Yeah. Norm in the NBA, I would say within like three seasons, it's gotta be. Wow. You think uh, it's that soon? I think, I think it's that, well, maybe not to the extent it was, but if they, they, cause I spent a lot of time figuring out like, how do they do this? Is the, is the court green? Like, are they using green screen? But again, that might be antiquated technology. That's my brain works that way. Like that's the only way to do it. So uh, in my house, Probably not this one. <laughs> I'm many bigger and better before I start seeing my children's highlights on the floor as they move by me, I guess. Yeah, I think it's coming to the NBA regular season sooner than later. Uh, we, we already see it a little bit with um, the the computer-generated shot clock in the middle of the key during the game and things like that. So you could see they, they start, like Chuck said, they start throwing stats up with the guys that are on the floor, you know, these kind of things. Just... The, the total experience uh, as to my house. I don't think, I don't think that's coming to my house ever. Uh, I can't imagine the kind of retrofit I'd have to do here to get the, the, the things to project anything onto my floor. I'm pretty happy with my big TV and on the wall. I think the thing for the house is it's going to end up being something that the technology gets to a level where you're just like rolling it out. Like it's a carpet, except it's like a huge screen and you can make it look like anything. You can make it look like, you know, like a giant well that somebody would fall in. That'd be funny. Or like a, like a volcano going off or something like you're looking shark infested waters. Yeah, exactly. Like kids would love that kind of stuff. That would be exciting. I guess you're right. Maybe it's coming to the NBA in some form, maybe not as much during the actual regular season games, but I think they'd love the idea of being able to put content on the floor. It's like the only place they're not really doing a whole lot of advertising. So why not? Uh, I think it's probably coming at some point. It's kind of cool, uh, kind of a cool thing. All right, let's talk some real NBA stuff. Start in the Eastern Conference. Celtics hold the one seed in the East by six games. Barring major injuries, is anyone catching them before the end of the season? No, I think Boston runs away with the East, and then it gets a little tricky between two, three, and four, maybe five. 
Yeah, no, I don't think anybody's catching them. Yeah, three for three. They're just playing so well. Um, and as long as their guys stay healthy, I I don't imagine they're going to drop off at all during the second half of the season. 76ers and Bucks were dropping in the standings in the weeks leading up to the break. Injury bug for the 76ers, just kind of run-of-the-mill dysfunction for the Bucks. I think both these teams are shitty. How comfortable should I be sleeping on the 76ers and the Bucks in the second half? I think you're like sound asleep. I think you should be super comfortable with it. Embiid thing, I don't know how long he'll be out. But the Bucks, you make a coaching change and it's for the worse. Like I don't, I don't kind of get that. And plus, Middleton's not like the dude he was two or three years ago. They don't really have a big three. And you bring in Dame, and you can see him shoot the lights out all All Star Weekend. But does he fit really well there? Probably all right. But I, I don't. I think we're all sleep pretty well, knowing that they're all having some challenges and, and the biggest one probably being is doc rivers their coach now mm-hmm. right what yeah. a fraud that fucking guy is <laughs> honestly wow. God, what a wow. fraud. well everywhere he's gone <laughs> clearly he he's not a doctor i mean i, I agree <laughs> <laughs> but what has he done anywhere he's been well he won titles in boston right well, oh did he yeah he did one yeah, he was the coach one of the or, team yeah the at least three, one yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. but you're right other than that complete fraud i think the bucks coaching change aside i think the bucks are kind of dysfunctional they're they're like the calves of they can't win on the road they they have a barely 500 record on the road if if that and then the 76ers even if Embiid comes back he's not going to be the Embiid that they need him to be it's hard to say right away (laughs) you know coming off that kind of injury if he misses six weeks and and he's basically then back for postseason play i don't know if they just ramp it up and he's he's an mvp kind of player so i wouldn't worry about either one of those teams sleep sleep soundly uh i i think it's boston and the knicks in the east that the Cavs have to worry about i think i actually disagree with you guys oh if Embiid comes back at some point i think maybe they're in trouble because you're starting to hear things out of the organization like they're hopeful that he'll be back for the playoffs. Yeah, That's a really bad sign. That sounds like you don't expect him to be back for the playoffs. I still think the Bucs can put it together. Giannis is just too damn good. Uh, Dame is an offensive force still, even if he can't do much else on the court anymore. But um, that that Bucks team, of course, goes with some go- growing pains, adding a new head coach, you know, 50 games into the season or something like that. That's going to be strange for everybody. But um, I, I still think the Bucks can put it together, and I think that's probably going to be the two seed in the East. I think they'll still make it. The 76ers, I don't know. If Embiid doesn't come back, they're probably in some trouble. All right, Western Conference. Lakers right now are the nine seed. The Warriors are the 10. Would you put Gerbucks on both those teams – missing the playoffs no not both i i value my gerbucks too much i'm not i'm not a, <laughs> oh, yeah you uh, do <laughs> I, I one of those two are going to make the playoffs who's it going to be hmm. um yeah, it gets tougher now doesn't it yeah yeah I, you know I'm, i'll go with lebron and the lakers i i just think anthony davis could be a bigger difference maker if he goes out there and plays like he can just to make the playoffs that team should do it where Golden State's having a rough year and it's getting rougher and they're benching their starters now. And I don't know. I I feel like if I had to pick one right now, it'd be the Lakers. I don't think both of them make it. It's, they're, every team's kind of pretty close. 
between five and nine. I wouldn't be upset if they both miss, though. But I, I think I'm with Phil here. Somehow the Lakers find a way. Usually LeBron James will will them or the conspiracy machine of the NBA make sure that he makes it to the playoffs. The Warriors can. I mean, I'd I'd be pretty happy if they did. I'd be just <laughs> be just fine if they didn't make the playoffs. So I think the Lakers would make it. Warriors are out. I also would not put any money on both of them missing it. Although I think it's really hard to try to pick which one I think would make it. The The Lakers seem to have a lot of problems, but they've got LeBron and they got AD. The Warriors seem to have a lot of problems, but they got Steph. And Steph is still Steph, man. And that guy can light up and carry a team most nights of the week, or at least when he needs to. Well, maybe the maybe the Warriors are finding a way to sneak in. I don't know. I guess I guess I'd still lean with you guys on LeBron. That LeBron finds a way to get it done. But it's wild to think that there would be no LeBron and no Steph Curry team in the playoffs for the first time in how long? You know, how long has it been since, frankly, since both of them uh, were always playing in the playoffs? So we'll see what happens. Nuggets are the four seed right now. They are behind Minnesota. Oklahoma City and the Clippers should the Nuggets still be the favorite to win the West I don't know it that it's really bunched up starting four going up in the West right I mean it's it's pretty close so I'll give them the edge just because they've done it uh they are your defending champions I guess the, the West is strange no one can win away from home it looks like so uh I'll give them a little bit of an edge saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they won the West if they came out of the West even if they were a four seed the same I have the the championship pedigree. Everybody above them hasn't done a whole lot of anything ever. The Thunder, do you believe in the Thunder this year? I don't know. I believe in the yeah. Timberwolves more than I do the Thunder. The yeah. Clippers seem to always have a wonderful meltdown at some point. But the only thing going against the Nuggets is they've made two deep, huge playoff runs over the last two years where these other teams have not. You know, I don't know how gas guys get, but I assume they get pretty gassed or their legs aren't as great as they were. But you, you can't bet against the team that won an NBA championship is it are they back to back guys? Are they back to backers or no? No, they won, they last, won last year. Last year, last year? Yeah. who won the yeah. were they in it the, the year? Warriors before? won the year before, didn't they? Oh, God. yeah, Warriors won. Off. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> no, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> I still think I believe in the Nuggets, man. I know that it's President's Day weekend, and I can't remember which one of our presidents said it, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> and until somebody beats the Nuggets, I still think they're the favorite to win the NBA title, or at least the favorite to come out of the, the West and go to the finals. All right, that's enough NBA. Why don't we move on to our Iceman cold shots, our ice-cold winter takes from around the sports world. College basketball is getting to be an interesting place. Caitlin Clark, the Iowa guard, broke the NCAA women's all-time scoring record and now has 3,569 career points. Is she right now the most famous college basketball player in the entire country? Yes, absolutely. She's on Super Bowl commercials. She's uh, she's certainly transcendent at this point, where I can't say that about any other college basketball player, right? Men's or women's. I, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She is light years ahead yeah i'd say without question because name another ncaa basketball player man or woman right now <laughs> like, i don't think i honestly i don't i don't i don't think i can even when she wasn't breaking the record she was still regularly mentioned on sports center and on sport talk radio so 
Uh, Phil used a great word. She is a transcendent athlete that everybody is talking about. And that's really rare, especially in the NCAA at this point when it comes to basketball, where everybody's one and done or, you know, like it's, it's just not a base. I mean, Jesus, you know, like, and she's a woman athlete will makes it even better that people are talking about it more than anybody else. Yeah, no, no doubt that she is the most famous. And I think that really, number one, says something great about her, obviously, man. Like anytime you're competing in a sport and you set the scoring record for the entire sport, like that's an impressive accomplishment. I don't care what you're doing. But the fact that this is the time of year when men's basketball starts to become huge. And I don't know, man, I don't see it, but you see it with the attention that she's getting, which is a pretty big change from what we're used to. Along those same lines, this week, NBA Commissioner David Silver announced that the NBA would be rethinking the G League Ignite because of the new availability of NIL deals for college players, creating more opportunities to go to school and get the NILs than to just jump right into a pro league. So are NILs about to save college basketball? I don't know. <laughs> like... like... <laughs> I thought you were our expert on this. No, I'm not. I think, like you, you know, it's how big of a player it is for football, but for any other sport, I, I don't know. I've resigned to the fact over the last like five to seven years, I don't mo- watch much college basketball until March Madness starts, if any. You know, like maybe I'll peruse a game for a couple minutes, but it's just it hasn't been the same, and it's not the same. We're all for kids making money when they should be making money, and if that means they stay in in school a little bit longer, maybe. There is a renaissance for college basketball where guys are staying for at least two to three years because at least they're making money there. And, you know, like only 60 dudes are getting drafted to the NBA. So I'd I'd be for that move, actually. I hope that's going to be weird for me to say because I don't really love NIL stuff, but I hope it saves college (laughs) basketball because it feels like it's just not the same. It hasn't been the same for me for almost a decade. I think it will save it to an extent in in that you're going to get the players, not your lottery picks, right? Your lottery picks are your lottery picks, but that is, again, that's 15 guys in all of NCAA basketball. It's the players that are definitely NBA future NBA players that would skip college and go to the G league to kind of hone their craft that now are going to go play at maybe one of your favorite schools. And you get to root for them for two or three years. Like Chuck was saying, I know like I'm flyers basketball fan, obviously from your university of Dayton and their best player makes $400,000 on his NIL. Four hundred thousand hey. dollars. Yeah, for, that sounds pretty great. Right <laughs> pretty to go great. to go play at the University of Dayton, which you know they're having a great year. They're top twenty team, but still, like that, if, yeah. if they're commanding that kind of nil there, you know, I mean, and, and yeah. this guy, he's he is a Naismith finalist. He's a good player, but he's going to be. It's going to take him some time to to make it in the NBA. That keeps that kid in school for an extra year. That means that Dayton Flyers team becomes a top 20 team all of a sudden his last year on on the roster, right? So I think it can save it to an extent. I think it's the best chance of saving it other than just outright paying the players what they would make in the NBA their first couple of years. The biggest problem, and I think the reason why Caitlin Clark in part is the most famous college basketball player in the country is that nobody's watching men's basketball because either the best players are one and done and people are tired of that, or they're not even coming anymore. They're going into all, they're going to play in Europe. They're going to go play in Australia. They're going to play in the G League. They're going to go someplace else and play so they don't have to deal with the NCAA and they can make a living. And so the the best of the best are no longer 
going to college. So you just the the product just isn't there anymore. And you get somebody like Caitlin Clark, who is an amazing player, and she's going to stick around for four years. That builds a fan base. That builds like that player's brand, so to speak, at the school. You just don't have it anymore in the men's game. Um, and you need something like NIL to keep these guys around, to give them a good reason to stay in school and, and not try to make the leap into the NBA. This is what college basketball needs. Hopefully it works out. Let's talk a little bit of golf. The Genesis Open was this weekend in L.A. I don't know if you guys were watching it all in the first round, but Tiger Woods shanked a shot on the 18th that looks like a shot that I hit on the golf course. It was awful. Afterwards, he stated that it occurred because that he had a back spasm at the exact moment he struck the ball. Scale of one to five, one being tickets to see Zach Bryan for a dollar, five being one dollar all-you-can-eat shrimp. How much are you buying that excuse? <laughs> so something I'm I'm not buying it, so that's a five because I don't, I don't yeah, want all-you-can-eat well shrimp yeah. for a dollar, only beat by what uh, – amusement park lobster right Chuck? Yep. um yes so I'm, I'm not buying that at all it, it sounds like rodney dangerfield's character when he broke his arm after Caddyshack. <laughs> yeah. i'm only gonna go like three and a half here because i not that i have back spasms at, at a, a really important but my body hurts more now than it did than it did five years ago than it did 10 years ago so it's a little bit more believable to me i mean not that long ago, I had to call Dr. Phil because I was in like a high impact class and I I really hurt myself doing something that's pretty mundane. So I, I can understand that. I like shrimp. Where can I get dollar? Is that like an Applebee's deal? Like dollar no, shrimp and no, dollar, no, I made dollar it Long no, Island iced teas? No, oh, yeah, man. no, man. Uh, this is a five. Like, listen, he shanked a shot. He hasn't played competitively in like a year or, uh, you know, even though who knows how long it's been. Sometimes it just happens. Don't make excuses that it's having a back spasm. I don't even know what a back spasm is. Give me a break. Anyway, we're going to close this out here, fellas. We're going to take our final break, come back, head off the field, and talk about some f***ing computers. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We're going to head off the field and come to our first in a long time bebopping and tick-tocking from the land talk about tech and computers in general. As you know, from the land faced a data corruption disaster last week. The hard drive where the entire history of the show, recordings, videos, marketing materials, outlines, the old commercials, episode photos, all of it was almost lost. The drive was partially recovered, so it wasn't a total loss. But it seems like a great time to talk about the miracle and the curse of the computer. So, do you remember the first computer you had in your house? I do. My dad brought home a computer from work that he would transport from his office to our house daily. So, it was the precursor to the current laptop. But the thing was huge. It was like the size... Like the, it, it, you assembled it and you carried it and it was, it had a way, it had a way like 65 pounds. It was ridiculous. It was like the size of the largest suitcase. It, the suitcase you have to check no matter what. That's how big this thing was. I think the, I, I know we had like a word processor that kind of predated computers in my house. It was just like a electric typewriter is the right way to say, I guess. I, yeah. I can remember, remember that thing and 
that was pretty bulky and heavy. But the first computer, I don't know, man, I might have been in North Royalton at that point. So that was a little later in the yeah. later in the run because I could, I think I can remember like typing Sean's letters on it when he was in boot camp or whatever. Like I can remember that <laughs> computer being in the house. I remember when my dad brought home a Commodore 64 when we were like, maybe I was like nine or 10 when we got it. And it was like brown and had like brown buttons. Uh, I had no printer or anything attached to it. And the only thing I remember was we had like some games and my dad loved it because he could do his budget on the computer. And that was, I think the only function that that thing ever served. But um, yeah, it was like locked in a big cabinet down in the, well, not locked, but it was in a big cabinet down in our basement, not even like somewhere that was easily accessible in the house, but that's how often we were using it. All right, moving on. How many computers do you have in your house right now? Ooh. Two. Don't forget the one you're on. Yeah. Two laptops, a desktop. I count my phone as a supercomputer. There's two of those in this house. <laughs> <laughs> I think about five. I have five, and um, I won't say like the Xbox Series X is a supercomputer, but it's pretty close. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with five because my phone's a computer, let's be honest. Okay. Well, by those standards, I have four, two laptops and, and two two supercomputer phones. <laughs> I guess I guess we do too. Two phones <laughs> and two laptops. I think that's probably pretty normal, right? Do you think like four or five at least, especially with you guys with kids, man? Like because they've probably got their devices too, or maybe they're not old enough yet, but that's a lot of devices in the house. All right. What do you think was the best email scam ever? 2018, an email from Mark Zuckerberg from his Gmail account where he says you've been randomly selected to receive $1.5 million from him. Next one, email from a random email address that includes a link and a subject line that says, don't worry, it's safe. And it's safe is all in caps. <laughs> Next one, email from Illuminati member at hotmail.com. <laughs> there, there it is. Which, which reads, greetings from the Illuminati world elite empire. Are you a businessman slash woman, politician, student, oh. footballer, salary earner, and you want to be rich, need protection, gain knowledge, powerful, and be Oof. famous in life? Last one, the granddaddy of them all, the Nigerian uncle email. Oh, According no. to CNBC, this one was still taking in about $700 million a year as late as 2019. <laughs> so best email scam ever. The goat is the last one. That's the goat, but I didn't realize the Illuminati was recruiting with way too much verbiage in a subject line. So, so that one, that one's my favorite. It covers all spectrum of Illuminati business. I've been I've been trying to get into the Illuminati for right? years, right? Like, I, I feel like they really cast a wide net with that email. I can't believe I have not been welcomed into the fold. But the Nigerian uncle's the best. I I just who is buying the, like what? <laughs> I just there's that many people recent as, as recent as 2019 that are still getting just suckered into that. Like oh yeah, this is a quick way to earn a million dollars. I probably do. I could probably help this Nigerian guy out. <laughs> What's happening there? The the one theme that runs through all of them is that they're just absurd. You know, mm -hmm. like Mark Zuckerberg is not emailing me from a Gmail account. 
Like he's got a better email address than that. He's got like a mark at facebook.com email address. Uh, the it's safe one is hilarious. Uh, Illuminati is great. I actually only used a portion of that one. That's actually like a four paragraph email. (laughs) Um, but I'm with you on the Nigerian uncle. It's definitely the oldest. It's the most famous. I imagine they've upped their game. So it's not quite as obvious now as it was in like 2010 or 20, 2005, whenever that thing probably started going around. Uh, so, all right. Granddaddy of them all wins that one. The Nigerian uncle email. Have you ever had a computer disaster where it like died on you or you lost like a bunch of work or anything like that? I've had personal computers just die. Like all of a sudden, like what just happened? I can't access things. It won't even start, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. Thankfully, looking back at it from my perspective now in 2024, I didn't have anything critical on any of those, (laughs) any of those computers, you know, lost some photos. Uh, my LimeWire stuff, <laughs> maybe, my, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. all you know, the, all the, all your Napster music, all my Napster <laughs> music. Exactly right. Like I would lose stuff like that. That that's about it. Nothing, nothing serious where I thought like, oh man, this, this is going to disrupt my ability to work or to even get through the day. Yeah. Like multiple times, uh, work laptop blue screened that's never when you get the blue screen of death that's yeah it, it got to a point where i was just like accepting of it because then like you would put stuff on jump drives it was before really externals existed so you just kind of got used to it and every time that it happened i became more aware and didn't keep anything like super important on the on the on the laptop but the, the worst one was working in in radio everything runs through computers everything runs through computers and um I want to say it was like a two months into like a newer gig and we were having some issues and the engineer came. He's like, I'm just going to restart. I'm like, do not, please do not, do not restart it. That's not how you fix these things. And it blue screened. Um, and you're talking about the entire radio station is gone. It's oh my gosh. Gone. Uh, so that was a fun couple months of like 4am. I, I got to go do stuff, but yeah, that, that was the worst knowing that that would fucking burn it if he did it and he did it anyway and i was like uh yeah so yeah that, i learned valuable lessons then like sometimes power cycling is the best option to fix electronics to fix anything but not when you know it's having problems already that's just going to melt down the hard drive so did did the radio go off the air yep. like did the Sure did. Oh man! Is this is sure this what did. happened to Power One Hundred Eight? Probably. I have had in in addition to last week, I've had a few of these. I had um, not really like a technical breakdown like this, but I was flying to Vegas for a trial right after we had moved to Michigan, and I was watching a movie on my laptop on the flight and. Out of nowhere, the person in front of me leaned their seat back super fast and my monitor got caught on their seat and it just snapped my monitor and all of a sudden the whole thing died. I'm just like, and it was, it was a Saturday night flight. Like I'm going to land in Vegas. I'm, I'm going to get up on Sunday morning. I, I have to go find a new laptop because trial starts first thing Monday morning. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this? And then there was a time in college, the night before my like senior thesis was due, um, which also coincided with the first night of hell week for our pledges. I was typing all night long to get the thing finished. 
and the pledges were like in the house and we were doing all the things you do in those circumstances and like the computer and the printer died and i just sat there like oh god did i just lose this entire paper like you know three hours before i have to go turn it in that was a pretty bad one but i'll tell you what it all pales in comparison to the radio station going yes. off. Uh, yes, God. it does. That had to be terrifying. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, what was the best computer, not video game system? What was the best computer game you had growing up? Actually, my my first Madden football game was on my home PC, not on one of the games. Oh, all right. Systems. And it was because it was on a PC. And I got to think like this was back. I'm trying to think like what gaming system did I have at that time? Probably Nintendo, the NES, right? So Madden didn't exist yet on on yeah. the gaming platforms, right? Until Sega Genesis. So I think it was NES Genesis timeframe. And the best thing about this on the computer was you could manipulate every aspect of John Madden football. You could create players. You could make any of their attributes, anything you wanted to. I had wide receivers at 99 speed up and down my roster. It was fantastic. Ultimately, I think, uh, destroyed the hard drive of that computer. Well, there you go. <laughs> it was Oregon Trail, man. Mm. And I died of, of dysentery. Course, yeah. dysentery, yeah, every time. All the time. <laughs> I never made it. <laughs> For our Commodore 64, we had like the original winter games. So it's like cross-country skiing, figure skating, ski jumping, speed skating, and stuff like that. Oh, it was fantastic, man. I, I loved winter games. That, Like I said, that Commodore 64 was our first computer ever in the house. Um, what Commodore 64 game is there no way they'd still be making anymore? First choice. There was a Chernobyl nuclear power plant simulation game for the Commodore 64. <laughs> Next one. There's a game called Crime and Punishment where you like read something about a case and then you try to guess what the judge would sentence the criminal to. And the very first one out the gate is like a like sexual assault of a minor case, oh, like really disturbing stuff. There was a game called Emergency Room Full where you are presented with a patient and you have to figure out a diagnosis and how to fix it. And I will tell you, it's impossible to play unless you know all the medical terms. <laughs> like, you can go online and find these games where you can play them online. And I, I got everybody died in my emergency room. <laughs> Last one, leather goddess of Pho Phobos. Oh, um, an interactive, but with no pictures, sex farce with selectable naughtiness levels from tame to lewd. And for some reason, the story starts with the place, Upper Sandusky, Ohio, the year oh, no. 1936. Oh, no. So which of these Commodore 64 games do you think there's no way they'd still be able to make today? All of them are awful. I'm going to come after watching the miniseries Chernobyl, though, I'm going to I'm going to say Chernobyl. I don't want to role play or play anything where a reactor melts down. And I have to make weird decisions, but all of those sound like weird decision games, but I'll still stick with Chernobyl. That's man. Game developers sucked really bad. What was like early eighties, mid eighties. Yeah. This is like mid eighties. Oh, maybe even pushing towards like late eighties, oh. man. I mean, Oh no. Well shit. Short Chernobyl was like 84, right? Yeah. Something like that. 83, 84, somewhere around there. I, I can't imagine any of those options get made these days, but 
that that said, uh, I guess I could also see how they could be made, right? Like there there is that like, all right, we're gonna make this emergency room, whatever. You know, you try to you try to save these people lives, and it's gonna be awful. So I I don't know. That one might happen. The the uh, true crime thing or whatever you were describing, those kind of games are certainly made these days. I don't know about leading off with some sort of like yeah. sexual assault of a minor like all right don't take it back a few steps yeah. here like, yeah. how about like drunken public or something yeah, right like, yeah, yeah. Like indecency we've maybe all a, been there maybe a, yeah maybe a, a b and e here and there you know like let's go like, like, what are we what are we doing here so and then the uh the last one i know for sure i, I love the no picture part though because that wouldn't happen these days but the, the sexual farce right. like i'm sure they're making those games yeah it's doubt, probably right? something wild now yeah yeah. So that leaves but me not for Chernobyl. the Commodore 64. Yeah, right. That leaves me with Chernobyl. Would Chernobyl, would a game like Chernobyl be made today? Would a game, would a game about a, an absolute disaster be made today? And I can't imagine it would. I mean, this is like, think about the, think about the travesties that have occurred in our country and other countries. Are you going to make a video game about that? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I, so I, I agree with Chuck. I feel like that one, that one wouldn't get through not that any of them should get through. <laughs> that one would not get through given uh, how that played out. I, I think for sure the Chernobyl one is the one that wouldn't get made. The crime and punishment one is really weird too. Uh, I think you're right. I think maybe the emergency room one makes it through. I don't know. Anyway, games have come a long way since the Commodore 64 in the mid eighties. All right. Best movie about computers, war games, 1983, Matthew Broderick almost starts a nuclear war. Next one, Chagrin Cinema Classic, The Net, 1995, yeah. <laughs> starring Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Next one, Chagrin Cinema Classic, Johnny Mnemonic, oh, 1995, no. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, pre-Matrix, when there was some concern about his career and where it was headed. Uh, last one, and this is according to the internet, Live Free or Die Hard, which I think is Die Hard 4, is a computer movie, because I think there's like a hacker in it. So those are your four choices, unless you can come up with something better. Best movie about computers. Man, I think I'll go, I'll, I'll go with the net. It was really ahead of the curve, <laughs> right? They're all terrible options. But wasn't, wasn't like Space Odyssey a computer thing? Wasn't, wasn't Hal a computer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really good film, but I'm still going to go with the net. <laughs> Sandra Bullock needed a hit after speed, and I don't know if that was it. I can remember seeing that movie. Anytime you bring up the word Chagrin Cinema Classic, that's the one I'm picking. If it's not Rookie of the Year, I'm going with the net. Okay. Of those four, um, man, ah, those are bad. I, so the, the Johnny Mnemonic is is what, in my mind, is what got Keanu the role in The Matrix. Because yeah. that it was like warming up to, can you go out there and deadpan this role and just be yourself and be The Matrix? Uh, so I'll go with Johnny Mnemonic. I don't know. Gosh. Okay. Oh. I'm going with War Games. I thought that oh. was actually a really good movie, man. And it's like the first, I don't know, it's the first time I remember seeing a movie where like a computer was like a main character in it. It's the only reason any of us know what the DEFCON scale is because that was from that movie. So there you go. War Games. All right. That's enough. That's enough talking about computers. Fucking computers. Curse and a miracle. But before we get out of here, let's talk a little music. Welcome to Ears Wide Shut, a from-the-land look at questionable new music. On Friday, Pitbull came out with a new song called Powerful Women, and he is joined by Dolly Parton rapping. Thoughts? I, I, I have no good thoughts. I, 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 in fact, when you sent that out Friday morning, 
I listened to it straight through one time and I haven't thought about it since. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm, I was committed. I listened to it a few times and I'm like, I need to listen to it one more time today. And when I, I'm like, I have to search it. I'll search for Pitbull. Do you realize this is a Pitbull EP? That it's it's not just like a one-off. There are like seven songs on this Pitbull EP. And when I say I committed, boys, I committed oh, no, like boy. I committed <laughs> oh, no. like the Browns Ofer season. Like I watched oh, no. every play, I listened to every song. You and Mr. Worldwide. And, and, and there is a argument to be made that that's not even the worst song oh, on the EP. No. It is all sorts of bad. <laughs> But I don't know who to blame. Like, I originally wanted to blame Dolly Parton until I realized this is a Pitbull project. And after listening to that EP, man, like, I don't know who's listening to any of that stuff, but I don't want to hear Dolly rapping. Like, if you're going to sample 9 to 5, I get it. But she sang it, and then she rapped it, and then she rapped again at the end. I'm like, that was enough. That that makes her, like, covers album look like a masterpiece mm-hmm. compared to this. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah. So, Thank you for that, Gerb. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> it's on you if you dove into Pitbull's full catalog. Do it, man. <laughs> I never <laughs> asked you to do that. Don't don't put that on me. Well, I'm going to send you all the songs. <laughs> Uh, I will tell you that I the one positive thing I can say about the song is like Dolly still has a voice, man. When she's singing, not rapping, <laughs> I thought she still sounded great. But like, I don't know. We just don't. I don't need Dolly doing all this stuff. Dolly doing just what she knows and, and what she's good at. Did not need her rapping on this. Did not think this was good. And I, I'm kind of more on Phil's end of things. I listened to it once on Friday morning. Then I sent it to you guys. And I listened to it about a half hour before we started the show again, just to remember what it was about. So, uh, boy, I don't know. Fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that the Daytona 500 was delayed until Monday afternoon because of weather. With that news that my love of live sports on a weekday afternoon has its limits, I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Tell Uncle Gerbs who your favorite Guardian player is. Stephen Kwan. That's right. Stephen Kwan. All right. That's an excellent choice. Yeah. Why do you like Stephen Kwan? I like his name. Yeah. It's a good name because it's fun to say. What? (laughs) (laughs) It is. That is true. (laughs) Phil, who's your favorite Guardian right now? Not all time. Yeah. Right now. We could do that too, though. Yeah, yeah, no current roster. Let's see. Favorite guardian. Hmm. I I do. Uh, I like Jimenez. I think. Yeah, he's a good ball player. I like the way he plays both sides. I like Stephen Kwan. He's kind of the same. It's the same. <laughs> I wish I could say I like someone that's mashing the ball, but I I I don't think we have it. Dill, you can leave my mic. <laughs> Yeah, it's important to have good microphone security so you don't pick up bumps and knocks and stuff like that during the show. Yeah, I'll put my headphones um, in once he heads upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, 
I think Josh Naylor might be my favorite guy yeah. on the team. Or, or J-Ram, of course. I mean, yeah. he's... Well, yeah. um, J-Ram's, well, J-Ram's the best player, but it's not even yeah, close. Like, yeah. yeah. He yeah. does it all um, and has been for so long, it seems, but... So how do you think I handle this now? I think we just wait till yeah, we come. We gotta wait for him back. Okay, I hope everything's okay. Like this is it makes you nervous that like somebody's like falling down the stairs or something like that. I think we'd hear the screaming through the mic. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, probably safe. Good deal. Only heard any screaming up there. Nice, Charles. Nice. Jeez. I'm gonna need Phil? some time. Okay, everything all right? Uh, no, uh, it'll be all right. Logan just threw up all over the place, so I got to get him cleaned up. And oh no! So okay. if you guys want to continue, go ahead. I'll just jump back on. I'm. I'll, it's probably gonna take me like 10, 15 minutes to clean this up. No, oh, it no. just seems like it's gonna be that kind of night, man. Yeah, we're uh, on Bonaler, and it's your turn. I'll be. Right. I like Bonaler. He's good. He's a good young catcher. I think there's a lot thrust upon that young man. Thank you. Go clean up the to produce we'll offensively the from the catcher position. We'll put some sawdust right. on it. I'll like be right back. Yeah, where's that sawdust? <laughs> How we doing, buddy? Yeah, we're right on mute here. Yeah, we're uh, we're okay. Little guy <laughs> feeling better? I don't know. He's in the tub. I he feels. I think he's all right. I think he, I think he ate too much. You know, like he. Yeah. Because that feeling. Yeah, like everything <laughs> I just cleaned up was pretty much like undigested chunks of dinner. You know. You know. Ah, so like, yeah. Geez. On car on carpeting too is. Oh, so, oh, I'm sorry. I got it. I got it taken care of, though. Take so, a Send her yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. Get a drink. Chuck's gonna finish the Buffalo Trace before we're done tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, let me touch my lips. <clears throat> Bill. Yeah. Bone Bonailer. I should have chosen a different word once uh, I didn't hear Chuck. <laughs> it's really funny how that entire thing went down. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Well, it's all right. I think, I think right. the boys are okay. Let's keep you want to check or? No, no, no. I can see. I, I'm, we're good. We're good. Okay. I think we should just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's let's not take any chances here. Let's yeah. let's get this thing in the can idea, and then plow yes. forward. Yeah. <laughs> For both of Chuck's kids wake up. Yeah, yeah, please. Both of yours get sick and and mine show up at my house. <laughs> make sure that doesn't happen. That's, that's, see the odds on that. I'd like to place that yeah. down right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gerbs, what Chuck, I think you the... got something in your teeth. I swear to God. I don't know if it's like Where? a shadow or something. I got, I've been paying attention. Um, I better wash it out with some. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so, Gerbs, what? So, you recovered the ah. hard drive, but you had to re reorganize all the files. Is that what happened? So, what, it, what happens is it just comes as like the files now. Mm. Um, and so it's. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's been there the entire show. It sure has. It's like yeah. bean casing from Chipotle. <laughs> Delicious. What a little treat to get right at the end of the night. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> Please use a picture where you see it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not doing that. I don't care. But yeah, all the folders are gone. And so there's a bunch of like random data. You've just got to like scroll through like a million files. And I got to go back and like find the outlines and like rename them, figure out which episode it is. And like, oh, it's a mess. But I've, I have enough now that like I can put out tomorrow's episode without any trouble. Um, but best case, like, like not a bad scenario. And they gave me like a name of a place in Minnesota that I can send the old hard drive and they will actually like take it apart and like somehow physically extract the data from it. I don't understand how that fucking works. Um, Sounds like Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Mnemonic. <laughs> Little tweezers. Yeah. I don't know, here's, man. Here's, I don't know. Your show 98. <laughs> Great. You oh, laugh, Bean Tooth, but it's possible. <laughs> that might be what they're doing. Bean Tooth. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, 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 maybe sweat laughing. <laughs> uh, lovely. Uh, all right, guys, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna yeah. go take care of that. Let's voice. call it. Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell that guy, that little yeah, guy, to feel better. feel better. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, right, go get some all right, sleep. Boys. All right, fellas. Love you, Love you guys. Love you guys. Yeah. Have a good yeah. one. Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?